Welcome to the Orange Socks Podcast, where we are inspiring life despite a diagnosis. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Nebaker. I interviewed Catherine and Jeff previously about their second daughter, Bella, who has given a prenatal terminal diagnosis. Catherine and Jeff are in some ways the poster children for Orange Socks. Their story is about how deciding to carry your baby to term can turn out very differently than what the doctors predicted. The first appointment where they diagnosed her with a lethal form of skeletal dysplasia, we were strongly encouraged to terminate the pregnancy. We were told that no one else had actually decided after this diagnosis to continue. We were told to consider the emotional effects on our older daughter. We had a daughter who was almost two years old. They told us, think about how this is going to affect her if you're carrying this baby that you know is going to die. We left that appointment telling them, no, we're going to give this baby a chance to fight. And they told us, we'll see you back in a couple weeks. You're going to change your mind. They realized they were wrong when her rib cage actually did grow and they didn't expect it to. So then they gave us another diagnosis, but then that second diagnosis was also lethal. The heart defect was almost an aside. Just so you know, she also has a heart defect. Not that that matters because her diagnosis was at that time lethal. But the doctors were wrong twice. After her birth, she was diagnosed with Ellis Van Creveld, or EVC, which is extremely rare. She is now almost three years old, and she had her heart repair surgery. She gained her zip line on her chest. Like most things that Bella has gone through, she excelled through that surgery, excelled through the recovery. She was winning hearts, marching the halls of the hospital within a couple days of that surgery. Honestly, more than the physical effect of it, it was harder for her to overcome kind of the emotional effect of the scariness of surgery. But her heart's repaired. Her lungs look great. She's hitting all of her milestones, either on time or early. She really is just a picture of best case scenario for EBC. Bella has given Catherine and Jeff a run for their money. Oh, she brings so much laughter into our lives. She's a little spitfire. She is 100% whatever she feels, whatever she does. She's always at 100%. Many people had opinions about Catherine and Jeff having another child. We were even given the option from genetic counselors. You can mm -hmm. do IVF and you can test the embryos to see if they have EVC and only implant ones that don't. And so if you want more children, there's ways to avoid it. Given the blessing that Bella's been in our life, we weren't afraid of that and we recognized, although that risk existed, what is the risk? It's the risk of having another Bella. Well, gee, we'll take that. We love Bella. <laughs> it was our opinion that Bella was perfect. We wouldn't trade Bella for a child that doesn't have EBC, simply because of the diagnosis. So we said, no, we're not gonna do that. There is definitely fear going into it. We knew there was a chance that if we had another child with EBC, that child might struggle more and that child might not survive even. You know, we went into delivery day, not knowing is this a child that we're only gonna have with us for a short time, or is she one who is going to be able to survive in this world? The only thing that really got us through that and gave us the courage for that is our firm belief that life is precious and life isn't just on this earth, it continues afterward. So bringing in another little soul into this world, even if her life was short, 
it would not be void of meaning. We had seen Bella's story and what happened with her impact so many people. We knew that Shiloh's story would impact others as well. Shiloh, in the Bible, it's known as a place of peace, not because of its geographical place or anything like that. It was because that's where God's presence rested. We knew that that was the source of our peace and that was the source of our strength, that regardless of outcome, we would have that. Going into deciding to get pregnant, throughout the pregnancy with her, we had a great deal of peace. After getting pregnant with Shiloh, they waited patiently for the 19-week ultrasound. As soon as the measurement popped up on the screen for the arm and the leg measurements, we knew that child had EVC. It was a really emotional appointment with the ultrasound tech. These are numbers she hadn't seen before. Yeah. The limb measurements as well as the heart defect, which she could see even on the early scans. Mm -hmm. For her, these were not good things. <laughs> but for us, we knew they were compatible with life. And if it were not for Bella, we would have been given a terminal diagnosis with Shiloh once yeah. again. She was crying at the end of the appointment and we were crying too, but we told her it's okay. We have hope. We've seen great things happen. It's not without hope. Their doctors didn't push them to terminate the pregnancy this time. They knew already that this was a baby that we were going to want and we were going to give every chance to fight. It was interesting to see though how that experience with Bella had even changed their attitudes and the way they talked about Shiloh when we were pregnant with her. Because with Bella, they were always telling us the worst case scenario. They kept talking to us about the day she was born and how she would be taken away and assessed. and. She's either going to be immediately deemed incompatible with life and brought back to us basically to die in her arms, or maybe they would have to give her oxygen support and then determine whether or not they were going to be able to help her. And they talked through all of those things and all of them being very grim scenarios. But with Shiloh, there is none of that discussion. And in fact, we sometimes felt like, but you do understand that Bella is the best case scenario and we're not guaranteed the same outcome with Shiloh, which we knew going in because EVC is somewhere between 30 to 50% lethal. So we knew that we were not guaranteed a child who thrived as much as Bella has with EVC. In fact, the day we delivered Shiloh, I was feeling the need to push and all of a sudden someone in the room was like, wait a second, we need to call the NICU. Like, we need peds up here. I had to hold off pushing for a few minutes for them to get some doctors in the room. Stark contrast with Bella, we had yeah. like a dozen doctors in the room. <laughs> yeah, it was a much smaller team, which it was interesting because Shiloh actually ended up needing more assistance after birth than Bella had. Bella had come out screaming, scored nines on her APGARs, didn't need any assistance. Whereas Shiloh was not screaming, clearly in distress, and they immediately had to give her oxygen support. She headed down to the NICU pretty fast after delivery. I asked Catherine to describe EVC. Ellis Van Creveld is primarily affecting bone growth, so it's a form of dwarfism. People with EVC are little people and they will always be small. But a couple of the unique things that present this form of dwarfism, they have an extra digit on their hands, so they have six fingers. There are commonly heart defects associated with EVC. Usually repairable. The most common is actually what Shiloh has, which is the common atrium. So missing that atrial septum in their heart. So there's often the heart defect in addition to the short long bones and their arms and their legs, they tend to have dental abnormalities as well. 
Bella, she's almost three and she has four teeth that are very well erupted and three that are somewhat erupted and we're not sure how many teeth she'll actually end up having. Mystery that we'll find out as she grows. We have so many ways to correct things like yeah. that relatively easily. The reason there's a high lethality to it is basically the bone growth of the rib cage. At times the rib cage doesn't grow large enough to have sufficient lung tissue to support life, especially when you're talking about somebody with restricted lung growth with a heart defect. That makes things a little bit more complicated. Although Shiloh has EVC like her sister Bella, her symptoms have been different. Her ribs are shaped differently than Bella's. We were given a 50% chance by the pulmonologist that she's going to have to do rib expansion surgery. She's also got a more complicated heart defect. She has no wall between her two atriums. She has oxygen depleted blood mixing with oxygen rich blood. So that needs to be fixed along with the valve issue. She's got a couple of challenges or obstacles ahead. She works quite a bit harder to breathe. It's a delicate balance right now between helping out her heart and helping out her lungs because sometimes what you would do for one would hurt the other. Pulmonology and cardiology work closely together with her to keep her on the optimum path here until she's big enough and at a good age for heart surgery. Bella and Shiloh's older sister is five and loves her baby sisters with EVC. She sees her sisters as entirely normal. We've started to have some conversations and she may have a real limited grasp at this age, which will certainly grow as she and her sisters grow, but she interacts with her sisters just like you would see any other siblings interact. We couldn't have a better older daughter in our family. She's so good with her younger sisters and is the perfect leader of the two of them. Catherine and Jeff essentially surrendered to God and moved forward with faith. For people on the outside looking in, they're often panicked at the thought of multiple children with disabilities. But after interviewing parents who have multiple children with disabilities, it's clear that they feel so grateful and commonly feel like it's the best thing that's happened to their family. Catherine and Jeff are no different. When you're told that you're not going to have time with a child, and then you get day after day after day with them, even when things look bad, you still remain grateful they're here they're with us. I think you more appropriately realize the big things and the little things. With our first daughter being so caught up in milestones and wanting her to excel and do well in everything. Shiloh, she's on her own little pace of development. That's a slower pace and we honestly don't really care because she's alive and she's doing well. She's not in the hospital. She's not on oxygen support. Those are our victories. So those milestones and markers that are important, yes, to see that a child is growing and developing, they lose some of their importance. The little annoyances of life are properly put in perspective as little. Catherine and Jeff have advice for parents who are given a prenatal diagnosis similar to their daughter's. When we were first given our lethal diagnosis, it was because the chest wasn't going to support lung tissue. And in their opinion, given all the cases they had seen up to that point, was that that chest wasn't going to grow up or was gonna grow, it was gonna grow very marginally up past that point. In our experience, in both Bella and Shiloh, the rib cage continued to grow. So when they were born, it was still smaller, but it continued to grow and that's what our supported life. If somebody else out there has a diagnosis whereby the rib cage doesn't 
look large enough to support life at a younger age, just recognize that it can grow and it does grow, at least in our case it did. And that lung function can improve, which with a lot of conditions isn't the case. We've talked with our cardiologist and she says, you know, we're used to seeing kids who, if anything, are going to get worse, but EVC kids actually, with age, usually improve. The people out there won't have been diagnosed with EVC in the womb. It's going to present itself as probably either short rib polydactyly or thanatrophic um, dysplasia or something that's fatal. My advice would be let it play out, let God do his work because oftentimes in their experience it leads to a certain outcome, but not in all cases. I asked Catherine and Jeff if they wondered about the future much or if they live one day at a time. We try to live one day at a time. At times there are things that make us think about the future. Oh, what's that gonna look like? Oh, gee, that's gonna be a challenge in this way or that way. I try not to live too much in the future because if I try to think of how I'm gonna handle all of the situations that are gonna present themselves in the days to come with our girls, I get overwhelmed and I think, how am I gonna be able to handle that? How am I gonna be able to do this? I had that experience, you know, when I was pregnant with Shiloh and knowing that I was going to have heart surgery for Bella coming up with a newborn who I didn't know what her health condition was going to be like and how on earth am I going to be able to take care of this one daughter getting heart surgery with a newborn. It's so easy to get worked up and think, this is impossible, I can't do it. But what we've seen time and time again is you just do it. It works out and you figure it out and it's usually not as hard as you imagine it is going to be. We try not to consume ourselves too much with worry for the future, while at the same time informing ourselves of issues that we need to be aware of. Because I think even more so the second time around with Shiloh, we've recognized how much we need to be an advocate for our child. The medical community does their absolute best, but we can definitely be of assistance in her care and in her treatment. It's been hugely beneficial for us to get connected to the community of other EVC parents. You know, some of those connections actually led to us discovering a doctor out in Pennsylvania. She works with the Pennsylvania Dutch Amish, which is the most common place where you see EVC. So she's seen more EVC cases than any other doctor and actually published an article about the benefit of postponing cardiac surgery in order that their lungs could actually improve and so that you don't end up needing a trach or other intervention for lungs after surgery. The original plan with Shiloh was to have surgery this spring and then we made contact with that doctor and our cardiologist is amazing. Together they decided, okay, looks like best case for Shiloh is actually to postpone surgery. That's the benefit of the age we live in. Because of Facebook, we can be connected to parents with the same diagnosis, share information with each other and share experiences on something that's so rare that most of our doctors haven't really encountered it much, if at all. Having two children with EVC has blessed Catherine and Jeff. Other than the fact they're small and we have to make adjustments in the house because they can't reach things or they can't pull up things that somebody of average stature could. I oftentimes forget that she even was in some way where the world might call her disabled because she really is like any other child. Yeah. And we have a lot of stools around the house which we <laughs> tend to uh, stub our toes on. Yes. <laughs> and there's going to be certain challenges and changes to life and life isn't going to look the same but you're in for an awesome ride.
Getting to watch these kids fight and surpass challenges and difficulties, seeing them just so full of life is such an awesome privilege. You're not going to regret <laughs> giving them the chance to fight. Thanks for listening to this episode. Orange Socks is an initiative of Rise Incorporated, a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting and advocating for people with disabilities. Follow Orange Socks on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, orangesocks.org, for more stories and to find national and local resources to help parents of children with disabilities.